I'm starting a new series called GoPro Be a Hero. How many people own a GoPro? How many people do not know what a GoPro is? GoPro, listen, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to describe it to you. It's a camera that was developed by a guy that takes high quality videos, um, you know, for a reasonably low price. And I'll get into that a little bit more. So anyway, the series that I'm starting, I'm preaching this week. Next week, Dustin's preaching. And then I'm going to follow it up. I believe it's three weeks. So be a hero. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's about time you're a hero. Turn to your neighbor and say, I need a hero. Everybody was like, why are we playing that song? That's the reason. Now, when I say the term hero... Most people say, well, come on, we're not heroes. We right away think about what? Our men and women in the armed forces, right? They're heroes, absolutely. How about somebody that runs into a burning building like I did when I hurt my ankle and saved someone's life, right? Right? How about Jamie, stand up. How about his shirt? Isn't that funny? He thought I was going to say him. Batman or Superman, right? When we think of a hero, that's what we think of, right? We think of somebody that's done something extraordinary. And the definition actually says, a person who is admired for courage, outstanding achievements, or noble qualities. That sounds pretty cool, right? But this morning, this is what I want to share. I believe this wholeheartedly. I've seen it uh, begin to play out in people. But I believe there is a seed of potential for all of us to be heroes. I believe in each one of us, no matter who you are, what you've been through, what you've done, what you haven't done, there is a seed of potential for you to be a hero. Come on, you believe that. You will by the time I get done. Come on, here we go. One that has the potential to make incredible impact in this region, in this world. One of the comments I hear uh, from the uh, mature generation old. This is what they say. At the end of people's lives, when they're getting older, they're all of a sudden, they're like, they start reflecting upon their life and they realize those things that they thought were important aren't near as important. And they want to leave their mark. Mark Burlingame so many times has told me, I want to leave a mark. I want to leave a legacy, something behind that I actually made an impact. How many people feel that way? I want to make a legacy. I actually want to make some kind of mark that when I pass away, people remember me not just because I was a good guy. Remember that guy, the pastor of of Lighthouse? No, because he changed people's lives. Amen? Because people were impacted. We We all should want to be that way. This morning, I'm going to share with you how to go pro and how to become a hero. And whatever you do in your life, hero potential is inside of you. I need you to start off with that basis. In you is way more potential than you believe. In you, you possess within you the seed of greatness. But most of us are told otherwise. But it's in you. This morning, I want to tell you three things, very basic, but three things that determine your future and the direction of your future. Now, everybody listen to this because it impacts all of us. Number one, three things that will determine where you go in your future. Number one, your perception of who you are. That's number one. This is going to determine where you go by what you think you are. One of the main reasons why teenagers today, there's so many issues, is because they don't realize who they are. 
Some of you still battle with things for the last 20 and 30 years because you don't realize who you are. Come on. Number two is why you think you exist. Oh, I could get in this one. We're going to. Why you think you exist. Were you a mistake? I've heard testimonies of people that were, were going to be aborted and they weren't, or they were aborted and they lived and, and God still did amazing things in their life. Many times people wonder, why am I even here? Why do I exist? And the last one is, which is a huge one, is your sense of significance. I want to ask a question before I go any farther. How many people here feel like you play a significant part in what God wants to do in this region? If we're to be honest, most of us wonder. Let's start with the first one. Perception. You could put that back up. Perception of who you are. This is the majority of how people operate today, right here. You view yourself mainly, most of the time, if not all the time, through the view of other people's opinions. You view yourself according to what people say about you. Come on. Of what uh, they declare over you, the, the, the label they put upon you, or the banner they put over top of you, whether it's loser whether it's no good, whether it's, you know, <laughs> getting in trouble all the time. We do it. We don't mean to do it, but we do it. I guarantee you, if you were to look around this room right now and look at each person, Jim, first thing that comes to my mind. Ryan Schrader, first thing that comes to your mind. No, no, no. I'm saying, when you think of Ryan, Mark Burlingame. Now, I want to tell you, Back when I was growing up, it was taboo to be from a divorced home. You know, they call them divorcees. And I lived with my mother and didn't have much uh, relationship with my father. And so there was this perception over me that I was a less than because my family wasn't together and didn't have money. Come on, somebody. So I went in, and I'll never forget, from the very beginning, I could tell I was treated differently. Church, when I got saved. But I remember when I went to my seventh grade year, a couple weeks in, you know, and, and don't kid yourself, people know who you are. They know where you come from. They know your life story. Is that right? Come on, especially in a small town. And so I go in there, and I remember going into the, you know, I was a class clown. I told you that. Still am, sort of. And I went into the cafeteria, and I got a fork, and I started, you know, someone had bent it really good, and I was trying to straighten it. So I was going like this, and the superintendent comes up behind me, grabs me by my hair and says, come to my office. Pulls me into his office and kicks me out of school for three days for vandalism, for bending a fork, trying to bend it back in position. He had a preconceived notion of who I was. He then proceeded to call my mom. You might, some of you have heard this story, but call my mom, bring her into the office. I'm a seventh grader, first few weeks in this big high school. And, um, proceeds to say that he's going to be a drug user, he's going to be a loser, he's never going to do anything, he's going to end up in jail, if not dead. By the end of the conversation, he had my mom bawling. He didn't know me, but he had a perception of who he thought I was. Guess what? If it wasn't for the Lord, I started believing that. Because I started looking around and saying... You know, these other people, they're being treated differently. The ones that have money, that dress nice, they're being treated differently. They're being treated, they're accepted. And next thing you know, I'm like, well, if that's what they think I am, guess what? That's what I'm going to be. 
And the next thing you know, you're falling right in line with what everybody's opinion of you is. And next thing you know, you're walking into situations and doing things you never, ever would have thought of doing before. Start stealing things, start doing this. I'm like, why not? That's what they think I'm going to be. Must be who I am. I told you I went to church. Got saved. Some of you know this story already. Um, well, guest speaker came to our church, and it's not this church. It's another church. But a guest speaker came to this uh, to our church and, and brought his son with him, and he was little, you know, he was sowing some wild oats. He wasn't really following the Lord. So he brought him with him to try to help him. And he's like, well, hang out with these two guys. It was me and another guy from our church. Hang out with them. They'll be good influence. You know, go to the movies. So we'll, so we went out to the movies, and I wanted to go see something funny because I'm not into horror flicks. I just, I think, I just not into them. Well, they wanted to go see this blood and gore movie. I'm like, I don't want to go. You go. I'm not going, come on, come on. You know how that is. I was like maybe 16, 17 years old. Come on, come on, come on. Next thing you know, we go to this thing. The, I'm going, the whole movie, I'm like this. I'm dead serious. I was like this. I can't watch that. I just, I can't do it. So we get out of there and they're like, wasn't that the best movie ever? And I'm like, yeah, it really was awesome. I saw like officially two minutes of it. Thanks for the $10 blown at that time. So we get back. I get called into the pastor's office the next Sunday. And I'm proceeded to be told that what do you think you're doing? You're supposed to be a positive influence. How dare you take the guest speaker's son to a rated R movie that is bloody and gory and, and there's sex and there's violence and there's swearing? Who do you think? I mean, he just, he, he basically emotionally spanked me. So, you know, I lick my wounds, get up and say, okay, well, I guess I deserve that. You know, I, not, you know, and I told him I, I didn't want to go. Well, you're a leader, you should, whatever. I go up to the other guy, my best friend in the church, and I'm like, wow, how was your butt whooping? And he looked right at me and said, what are you talking about? And I'm like, well, weren't you called in the pastor's office to, he goes, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. It dawned on me, his father was one of the elders in the church and a huge giver. And that moment I realized, even in the church, I had a label, had a tag. And even from that point on, it just reinforced the insecurities that I felt about myself. Come on, somebody. Reinforced, even in the church. Isn't the church the place that's supposed to love you unconditionally? And many times what happens is, is our past and we make dumb decisions it's called our past because it's our past. But for some reason, people feel the need to keep bringing it up over and over again. And there's nothing more damaging to a person's psyche, to a person's destiny, to their future, when they're stuck in the past. How many people know you can't get to your future if you're stuck in your past? You'll never get there. You cannot drag your past into the future. It's impossible. Listen to this. I want you to, don't answer, I want you to internalize this right now and you tell me what you think. Be truthful to yourself. Can you receive what I'm about ready to say without saying if or but? Because we're good at that. I am worthy, but God loves you. Oh, he loves me. No, he loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. God delights in you. 
Oh, that was a tough one for me because right away I'm going to say, well, you can't delight me. I, I'm a sinner. I, I'm miserable. You don't know what I say and what I think in, in the quiet time. See? Can you just receive it? You are special to him. Now, some of you would say, well, yeah, I am a special case. That's not what I said. You are special to him. Ladies, you're beautiful in his sight. You're beautiful. Just as you are, you are beautiful. I had somebody recently send me a text with a picture of a shirt that said, I am beautiful. And, and this girl goes, I looked at that and I was ready to buy it. And, and she's overweight. And she said, I cried. I couldn't because it would have been, it would have been false. It would have been a lie because I don't think I'm beautiful. Come on, people. Why? Because outside influences tell us that you have to look a certain way, be built a certain way, dress a certain way, wear the certain type of clothes, have the certain type of makeup on, and then you're beautiful. They celebrate things that put so much pressure on others. God has great things in store for you. Is, I mean, is that like the most cliche thing saying in the church? You hear that so many times in the, in the church. God has great things for you. Do you really truly believe, do you really truly believe, now come on, that God has great things? I hear older people say this. Again, I say older because I'm getting there. Oh, to be 18 again. Oh, to be 18 again and know what I know now. You're basically confessing your life's over. It's not over. I don't care what age you are at. God is more than able to do great things through you. And he wants to. Every prophecy that I've ever heard given over people that are older than me has always been, your ministry's just starting. And every time I wonder, do they really believe that? Or do they think that's just a canned phrase? How about this? He knows your pain and he feels your sorrow. Did you? Hey, everybody listen. Did you know that the Bible says that Jesus was tempted in every single way? Did you know that he was tempted with homosexuality? He was tempted in every way. He was tempted with that depression and discouragement that causes people to cut. He was tempted in everything that you've experienced, every heartache, every pain, every struggle, every depression, everything that you faced, he's experienced it. Why? So when you need help, he knows exactly what you're going through. And it says he can then pray for you. He knows your pain. He feels your sorrow. How about this one? He will never, ever, 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 ever leave you. Oh, man, that is so awesome. Yeah. How about when you're feeling like crap because you just screwed up for the 4,000th time? Oh, he's about ready to leave me now. <laughs> Oh, you know, he said 70 times 7, I'm, I'm 489. <laughs> it's like nine lives with a cat, man. I'm on my eight and a half life, man. It's done. Can I tell you what? He holds on a whole lot longer than you do. He will never leave you. It's not our ability that brings results. It's the mentality that produces powerful change. It's not your ability. I'm going to tell you right now, so much potential and ability has gone to the grave unrealized. It's your mentality to believe that God can do it through you. Everybody in this place is gifted in a unique and special way. 
but most people never believe they're capable of making an impact, so they never, ever step into it. It's never utilized. Ready? What you think is more important than what you do. Think about that. Well, I feed this and I do this. Listen, if you're just doing it out of habit or if you're just doing it because you think you need it, listen, what you think is more important than what you do. Because I want to tell you, what you think will cause you to do what God wants you to do, if it's correct. You can have all the potential in the world, but if you do not believe in yourself and how God sees you, it will never happen. That was number one, who you are. Number two, why you exist. Punch your neighbor shoulder and say, wake up, exist. Why you exist. Do you believe you're here for a reason? Do you believe you were born for a reason? Do you believe that you were born for a reason? Or do you think you were an accident? There's a lot of people here that were surprises. My youngest was, surprise! Woo! Tim and Kirsten just had a surprise! Man, Matt and Angie have had several surprises! <laughs> Can you, do you know that nothing surprises God? Whether you were a surprise or if somebody told you you were a mistake or somebody looked at you and said, I wish I would have had a son or I wish I would have had a daughter, it doesn't matter. God has a reason for your life. He said to Jeremiah, listen to this, in chapter 1 he goes to Jeremiah, he says, listen, while you were still in your mother's womb, I had a plan for you. While you were still being created physically, I had already created spiritually your plan, your destiny. And it was to be a prophetic word, prophetic voice to the nation. Amen? If you do not believe there's a reason you're here, then you will always wander. What I've seen in people is when they don't realize that they have a reason, they'll just grab the next best thing because they think that's going to satisfy them. They think that's going to make them happy. Oh, if I make another $20,000, everything's going to be great. I'll be able to buy that car I want. And they start grabbing. And next thing you know, they've just wandered through life. I've told you the story here before about that friend of this pastor. He was... Um, they went to college together, and he goes, I'm telling you right now, my goal is to make million, be a millionaire by the age of 40. That's my goal. It's going to happen. Guess what? He retired. He reached all his dreams, and he said the year that he was 40 years old was the worst year of his life. He was more depressed, more discouraged. He thought of committing suicide. Why? Because it was misplaced. He wasn't living out the reason why he was created. Because what happens is when you live out meaninglessly or you set these goals that aren't of God, when you reach them, you finally look at them and you go, what, what now? God has amazing plans for each person here, but you have to believe it. How many, I mean, we, we just had a prophetic word here a couple weeks ago. How many people are tired of just living normalcy? Two people. Really? Three? Wow. Okay, let's try the again. How many people want some excitement in their life? How many people want some genuine excitement? You want to see God do something amazing? Church, we've, we've taken church and made it so boring. I'm tired of it. I, I, we're supposed to be living the most exciting life of anybody. I, I told you that. Peter walking down the street in the shadow. People are bringing the sick and people are getting healed. And I'm sitting there going, that would be a good day. Someone you know that's on their de deathbed or in a wheelchair and seeing them come out whole. That'd be a good day. Amen. 
be a good day sitting in front of a crowd saying, God, you know what? These people look hungry. I want to feed them all cheeseburgers. What do we got? Well, we got a half a cheeseburger and one fry. Watch this. What kind of stuff is going on today? No, I want to say, did you know that kind of stuff is going on today? There was a wedding that happened the last couple of years, and this is what the bride and groom did, which I thought was amazing. Instead of having a reception, they both worked in, the, in a, a soup kitchen. You know what I'm talking about in the city? So they decided to have a soup kitchen for a reception. So the food they would have for their guests, they instead invited all the homeless people, and they fed them in their wedding dress, right? Really cool. Well, guess what? When you open that kind of invitation, you don't know how many people are coming. Way more than they thought. All of a sudden, I, I can't remember if it was, whatever the meat was, I can't remember. But they're getting closer, like, we're going to run out. And they're like, oh, man. Yeah, we're going to run out. And we want to feed these people. And I'm like, can you picture the bride there serving the home? Wow. They had one case left. And that case ended up feeding more than all the other food had. It never ended. People are like, oh, that's not true. It's documented. A thousand people know about it. We're a part of it. Second thing I heard recently, this happened in the last couple of years, a group, a missionary group was down uh, in Mexico ministering, and they were going to put a crusade on, and they wanted to give all the people Bibles. So they bought like 5,000 Bibles. 10,000 people showed up. Oh, man. You know, there's nothing worse than really feeling like God has given you a vision for something, and you can't do it fully how you want to do it. They started passing out Bibles. Next thing you know, they gave out 10,000 Bibles. They bought 5,000. They gave out 10. Most of you be like, oh, come on. Again, hundreds of people, thousands of people saw it. It happened. It just kept duplicating. And you, we, what do you got in your hand? It's time that we live some adventure, some excitement. My, our greatest excitement can't be building a new building or, or getting a big church or hearing this or that about, oh, wow, we had a great time. no. Some of our testimonies has to be not just God saving people, but God delivering people. People that you think are impossible to reach, watch what God can do. But you got to believe, why are you here? Why do you exist? Last one. I'm almost done. Stay with me. Your sense of significance. Can I be honest with you? Parents, I'm going to spank you a little bit. Ready? We have got to quit equating performance to acceptance. I'm going to say it again. We have got to quit relating if my kid performs or behaves, they deserve my love and my approval. And they're significant. Oh, come on. Because I want to tell you right now, we all as parents deal with that. The reward system, right? Well, if you're behaving, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But I want to tell you right now, when you discipline your kids, you better 10 times as much have loved them for no reason. I want my, listen, I want my kids to know this. You know, I'm a sports fan. When my daughters decided to play basketball, I was really cool. I was there. I got almost kicked out a couple times. I'm pretty passionate. You know, we were not good, but it was still fun. And I love watching them play. And I just, they had struggled you know, some of you know the story. They were born premature. They struggled with a lot of things. So to see them grab something like that is awesome. Well, then my young one comes along, and she's going to be taller than me, and she's gifted and athletic, and, and I'm like, 
oh yeah, superstar right there. She's the one that's going to make me rich. The temptation in a father. But you know what? She played basketball last summer and she just kind of said, Dad, it's fun. But you know, I really like ballet. I, I really like ballet. I like gymnastics. I, I, and you know what? I looked right at her and I said, Honey, you do what you want to do. Because I want you to know what you want to do is what I want you to do. Oh, come on, somebody. The problem is, starting in the home, kids are losing their significance because we're equating their performance based on whether they're worthy. Come on. When was the last time you went up to your kid and just said, you know what, I love you and all your messed upness, but I still love you because you're my child. Children are a blessing from the Lord. It doesn't say children are a blessing because they're perfect. It doesn't say children are a blessing because they never make messes. It doesn't say children are a blessing because they don't clean up the rooms. Listen, we love our kids because God has given them to us. That's where it starts. And when kids feel secure in your love, not based on performance, not based on whether they're good, bad, doesn't matter. When they know that, they're not going to struggle with significance. If you were to look at your, your children, and I know some of you don't have children, but this is still good for you to listen to. If you were to look at your children and say, do I make you feel important? You need to listen to what they have to say. Don't get defensive. Listen. Adults, because some of you have gone through what I said. Do you believe that if you were not a part of this church, or if you were not a part of this region, that this region and this church would not be the same? And I mean that in a positive way. If for some reason you just decided to quit God and quit church, do you believe that that would have a negative ripple impact on the kingdom? You got to believe that. Some of you are like, well, I'm just, I'm just here. I'm just hanging on. I'm trying to be a good Christian. You don't understand how much of a weapon you are against the enemy. You don't understand the impact you could have. You don't understand the significance you hold in what God wants to do in his kingdom purposes. And the devil wants you to keep, keep you thinking that way. Because as long as he can keep you that you're thinking you're insignificant, you will be insignificant because it's your thoughts. Confidence is a product of your belief system, how you view God in yourself. If you have confidence, a lot of people think, well, confidence is arrogance. Arrogance is soul being so reliant upon yourself. This is not arrogance. Confidence, you've heard me say, I'm like, I'm commanding this room. And people still to this day will come in and say, man, I tell you what, I don't know what you're... I walk into a room and I own it. Not because I'm arrogant, because I know whose I am. I have confidence to know who God is through me. And so when I walk into a place, I'm like, Lord, I'm bringing the light of Jesus Christ to this room. I'm bringing the joy of the Lord. I'm bringing the peace of the Lord. One of the nicest compliments I ever got was recently, Dustin made a compliment to me. You're always positive. I think that's what you said. Can I be honest with you? I'm not, but God is. And it's a choice that I make whether I let God control my emotions, control how I feel, be grumpy or be joyful, be sorrowful or, come on, it's really your choice. Every morning when I get up, you know, recently I've been, you know, I take some medication for some arthritis issues I have and I haven't got it for like six weeks and my knees are just all, and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, Lord, 
I don't feel like getting out of bed today. I don't feel like being joyful. I swear, if someone comes visit me in my office, I'm going to tell them exactly what I think of them. Serious. I'm like, oh, oh, the first person that comes through, they better be ready. And they come in, I'm like, how are you today? You having a good day? Is there anything I can pray with you? I make a choice. It's your belief system. It's what you believe. Ready? This is how it works. What you believe determines what you think of yourself. What you believe determines what you think of yourself. And how many people know how you think about yourself is what you will do. It will determine whether you're nervous and fearful or whether you're brave and ready to risk it all. Anybody that's ever done anything for God, anybody that's ever been successful in life, I don't care if it's even for God, is they believed in themselves. You have to believe. Get you... Get the stinking thinking aside that says you have to bow yourself down and humble yourself. And Would you stop? Christianity has that building already. You will be humble. Believe me. You follow the Lord long enough, you'll be on your face. He works it out. You don't even need to think about that. You need to think about, God, how can you use me today? Show me how I can be bold today. Show me how. And get out of that thinking, well, I'm so shy. People wouldn't like me anymore. Are you kidding me? The world says creation is groaning for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. It's crying out, is there somebody that will speak truth? Look at the world. Everybody's like, oh, it's going to hell. It is. Why? No light. Where's the light? In the church. Get it outside the walls. Ask the Lord for boldness. Ask the Lord for, the, for, for the, the confidence to step into what God has. You ever have this happen? You're walking along, somebody help me out. You're walking along, you walk in the store, you see somebody, and you're just kind of drawn to them, and you're like, and then all of a sudden, you feel like God wants you to pray for them, and you're like, no, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> that is, God wouldn't ask me to pray for somebody, are you kidding me? You walk out, get in your car, and you're like, beating yourself up because you're like, I know I was supposed to pray for them, or I know I was supposed to say something, right? You know what I'm talking about. A lot of people have experienced that before. We've got to pray, God, give us the confidence not to care. Not to care. Guess what? If you walk up to somebody and they're like, listen, can I pray for you? And they go, no. They're not rejecting you. Rejecting God. You're an ambassador of a king, of a kingdom. He's, they're not reject, but we take it personally. Oh, I'm afraid they're going to tell me no. What's going to happen if they say no to you? I mean, it's, it's really crazy, isn't it? When we think about it, when we make it in basic terms, why don't we share our faith? Because people don't like religion. Well, I don't like religion either. Share your faith. Share the love of Jesus Christ. Share that God makes a difference in your life. That he can give you hope and peace and joy. That he can get you through problems and struggles. And when your parents are fighting or divorcing, he can give you strength. Come on, somebody. When you're going through sickness, he gives you strength. He can even heal you. That's the gospel. That's the good news. I want to tell the church, Jesus isn't on the cross anymore. Come on. I mean, thank God. We are thankful for that bloody cross. But he ain't on the cross anymore. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And actually, the Bible says we're seated with him on high. It says the devil is under our feet. 
So what the heck are you down on your face listening to him for? Stand up straight. Get a backbone. Confidence. Never carry out the mandate. Again, you've heard this story a hundred times. It's my, I love this story because this is what really gave me boldness. I worked at ShopVac, most of you know, for 20, 25 years and worked at the Canton plant for a long time. And I was just working in the office and feeling my way as a Christian. You know, when you're growing as a Christian, you want, well, when you're young in the Lord, you think you're bigger than you are. Come on. You really, big britches, you know, you're like, I'm the best thing that ever happened to Jesus. Oh, come on, people. You all look at me like, oh, really? I never felt that way. Yes, you have. You do something and it turns out good and you're like, neon lights. He's the one. Nero. What's his name? Neo. He's the one. Come on. You do something. You might not even tell everybody, but back in the corner, you're like, that wouldn't have happened if it was me. Come on. And so I was, I was feeling that way. And I'm like, okay, I'm growing in the Lord. And I'm walking out, handing out paperwork to the plant. And, you know, if you know camp manufacturing or people that work in plants, a lot of times they're pretty rough people, right? They're, you know, just it's a dirty place. It's a loud place. And there's a lot of cussing going on. There's a lot of talking, you know, inappropriately and so forth. And so most, I think everybody there knew I was a Christian. And I'm walking out and I'm passing out these papers and I'm going to the maintenance section. And our manufacturing engineer is standing there talking with the maintenance manager and all the maintenance guys. So there's like probably six, eight guys standing there. And I'm walking up and I'm handing out the schedule. And I see the, the manager, the ma- manufacturing manager. And I'm like, I look at him and the Lord says, I want you to tell him that I love him. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's going to happen today. Then you start doing it. Well, I'll do it tomorrow, God. No, I want you to tell him that, that I love him. I'm like, God, he's five foot nine. He's a former wrestler and he's Italian. Well, see, some people don't want to think that's, if you know Italian people, they're like Lauren. <laughs> Picture going up to Lauren and you, you don't know her and you're intimidated. You're like, I got to tell her about it. She's going to kill me. <clears throat> Payback. Anyway, so listen, listen, listen. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this guy going, is this my mind or is this God? Well, I, I do what any good Christian does, right? I hand him the paper and I keep walking. <laughs> I just, I'm like reasoning in my mind, rationalizing, right? So... I get around the corner, about ready to go out of that department, and he's following me. And I look, I'm like, what is he? I'm like, oh, my God, he's going to beat me up. <laughs> you know, he heard my thoughts, you know. He grabbed a hold of me, and he goes, i got to ask you a question. And I'm thinking, Ooh. he goes, why are you always smiling? Why are you always happy? And I'm like, oh, God, are you serious? I'm like, are you, do you, you know, God is merciful towards us. And he will lay it out there sometimes because he knows what it is for us to be fearful. And I said, okay. I went, just like, here it goes. It's because this place isn't my life. Because I have a relationship with Jesus Christ because I love God. 
because my, my joy comes from another place. My satisfaction isn't in my job, and I just shared for maybe 30 seconds. And this is exactly what he did. Now, you've got to understand, don't know this guy at all. Very, pers- or very far relationship, just business, professional. As soon as I say that, he grabs my arm like this, and he goes, make sure. Now, he's the one making sure no one's looking. And he's like, really? He goes, I've got to the point in my marriage and my life that I feel like there's nothing worth living for. He goes, I just started going to church two weeks ago, and I don't know what I'm looking for, but I'm looking for something. And I led him to the Lord right there. And I think to myself, thank you, Lord, for kicking me in the tail, for getting through my fear. Because it changed the life. And I sit here today and I say, Lord, why isn't the church doing what it needs to do? Because I'm telling you right now, because you don't know who you are. You don't know why you exist. And you feel you're insignificant. You feel like you don't have what it takes. You feel like you don't have the gifts. You feel like they wouldn't listen to you anyway. You have talked yourself out of the inheritance that God has for you. I'm telling you right now, I am praying in the, this coming year, 2017, that the seed of the gift of the potential and the gifts that God has placed within inside of you come to the forefront once and for all. It is time that the body of Christ quits believing the lie that we can't make a difference. <clears throat> 2,000 years ago, a man and a group of ragtag men preached a simple message that I preach today. And it's still changing the world. That man went to the cross, died. Those men that had followed him for three and a half years ran back to what they did before. Guarantee us sitting on the cross, Jesus could have said, man, my life was in vain. No. Forgive them, Lord. They don't know what they talk about. They don't know what they're doing. Next thing you know, those men got brought back together filled with the Holy Ghost, and they changed the world. So many times we think we need a mega church to bring change. Well, mega churches are good because you have so much more talent and you have so much more money. Are you kidding me? If that's what it takes is talent and money, then we're missing it. That's not the kingdom. That stuff is added to you. Seek ye first the kingdom and all those things, all that stuff will be added to you. We just have to believe why we're here. We've got to believe what God has called us to do. I want to tell you right now, what are we, what are, what are we called to do? The presence of the Lord, to show people, to introduce them that there is a God that is alive today. It isn't some history book. And it's our responsibility to do everything we know to do to see that happen. 